everyone. You're listening to Forever Unapologetic with the Fourth Squad. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Forever Unapologetic podcast. We are the Fourth Squad. Good morning, ladies. Good Good morning. morning. Good morning. Four ladies of color coming to you from and thanks to Podcast Center LA in Torrance, California. Follow them at Podcast Center LA on Instagram. Um, a little over a year ago, radio and television personality Charlemagne the God published a book talking about his own anxiety, and that opened up a wider discussion about mental health in the black in the black community and specifically amongst black men. We had all heard that Kanye West suffered from bipolar disorder, and earlier this year, we all got to witness him having what has been called a manic episode on social media and in a very public spotlight. Last month, former First Lady Michelle Obama admitted to suffering low-grade depression due to the lockdown brought on by the novel coronavirus, racial strife in the United States, and the hypocrisy of the Donald Trump administration. Today's episode is about mental health and what that means when you're a person of color. Keeping in mind that it is okay to not be okay, I want to start today's discussion uh, with a roundtable kind of question. So ladies, if you could please tell the listeners about your own experiences with and understanding of mental illness, mental health, and how those things are handled and or talked about or not in your own families and cultures. And uh, who wants to start? I'll start. Let's dive. Let's dive. Okay, so as far as mental health is concerned as, as what I perceive it to be or believe it to be, um, I, I don't see it as a as a stigma. I think it's something that everybody kind of should be aware of or pay attention to, um, try to look at patterns or, or um, just how you react or function in different times of your life. Uh, it was never really talked about at home. I don't, I don't think we ever really had like a conversation about being mentally healthy or, um, taking the steps you need to, to do, to take, to, you know, make sure you're okay mentally. Um, I think I saw stress kind of on people, my mom or my sister or whoever they were dealing with, whatever. Um, but it was never really talked about, never really addressed. So I don't think I it would ever had a stigma, though. I don't even know that I recognize that it was stress or anxiety or anything for that matter. Um, probably just kind of assumed it was part of life or being an adult and dealing with your day to day issues with bills or whatever you had to take care of. For me, I have come to the realization. Well, I when I had my child, I did go through some postpartum depression, um, which I pretty quickly recognized because it was so opposite from the type of personality that I usually am. Um, So I did recognize it pretty quickly. I did talk to a professional. I got some medication, didn't really care for how it made me feel. Um, So I didn't continue with it. And I will say, I think just from that time on, I have, I don't know that I ever have gotten back to the person I was before I had a child. I'll say that. Um, Mm. so I think I still deal with some things that I, I probably don't know how to address or fix or whatever it is you need to, to do to try to get past it. Um, and then just as I've gotten older, I have realized that I probably just need to get some therapy, uh, to deal with 
regular everyday life or to just have someone to kind of bounce stuff off of where you won't necessarily get um, the opinion or the help because it's someone who's your friend or that cares about you. You know, like sometimes you don't want to necessarily get something back. You just want to be able to tell somebody without it being a personal. Well, maybe you can do that. You know, you don't always want the opinion of how to make it better. You might just want someone to talk to. So I have been actively searching for a therapist for myself just to see if there's stuff that's kind of buried that I never really addressed, even from childhood that I don't even know it's there. Um, and just just to see if I can get somewhere better because I, I do recognize that I don't think I've ever been the same since I had my child and there's probably a reason for that, but I don't know what that is. So, um, you know, but I, 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 I never- say there's several reasons. Yeah, I'm sure it does change you for sure. Of course, for sure. So um, I never saw mental illness as a bad thing. I mean, it does make me sad when you see, um, you know, homeless people who clearly have mental issues that aren't getting the help they need. Um, And unfortunately, you know, they're seen as just kind of dangerous as opposed to seen as being empathetic and knowing that they probably need help. Um, People are afraid of what they don't understand. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So um, I think in general, I just, I know for from my perception, the black community has never really um, made mental health a priority. So I think we need to change that and, and make it a priority because it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. It could just mean that, you know, you have somebody to talk to. It's like exercising or in the last our last episode, we talked about your health also being part of your wealth. You know, that's also just a part of being healthy. So you exercise your body and you exercise everything else and you eat healthy. But do you exercise your mind and not just in the mm-hmm. ways of education? You know, what I mean, there's other ways to exercise your mind. And I think therapy is one of those ways you can do that. So, you know, I'm on a journey. I, I would wouldn't mind sharing it as I go along or get to that point, but um, I'm definitely on a journey to figure out. I love that. What therapy will do for me. So I love that. I guess I'll segue because I feel like it's a good juxtaposition Um, and also lots of similarities. I mean, growing up in my household on both sides, you don't talk about problems. You just, you just don't. Um, It all gets buried under into the basement that you don't have six feet deep and you pretend like nothing happened and you just keep going and you work hard you act like everything's fine and then uh, in some cases you talk behind people's backs about it (laughs) and um, and then you just keep moving and kind of everybody is aware uh, for me very concretely (laughs) On my journey to single motherhood, uh, my ex left when I was pregnant. And the craziest thing was to see my entire family not address the fact that my belly was growing and there was no father to be seen or found. So, you know, when you don't talk about it, it also means nobody's there to comfort you. Nobody's there to say, hey, are you good with this? You know, none of that Um, because nobody is equipped. Nobody is equipped. Nobody's trained. uh, And I don't mean professionally trained, but just 
nobody shares feelings. So culturally, that is just, you hide all the things that might appear to be shameful instead of normalize them and make it, you know, something that you can approach in some way. And honestly, I feel like as a result, I felt a lot more shame. And I don't mean to place blame on others, but just that because of the circumstance, the way that I grew up with that um, gave me a certain perception of how I probably should be or subconsciously was feeling. And I did feel a lot of shame. Also, it's very embarrassing. You're going through hurt. You're going through a breakup. Somebody completely bounces and you're pregnant, super emotionally extra in every department. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, there's a whole life that's being grown and you don't don't know what's going to happen moving forward during the process. And you have no one to share that with. Um, I absolutely suffered from postpartum depression. Um, I did not, I was not clearly aware of it um, because, well, I don't know. I mean, I was never diagnosed. I I was not aware of it until kind of when I snapped out of it. But I will say my birth journey um, was highly disappointing as well. Um, my, My doctor didn't, Uh, properly diagnosed me having cellulitis and my entire c-section incision I mean it started with an emergency c-section so that was already you know I had PTSD from that Um, and then after that my doctor didn't properly diagnose that I had cellulitis and my incision exploded in my mother's car as she was taking me to a doctor's appointment so that ended me you know in the ER with the doctor saying holy crap you went home with this five weeks ago. And, you know, I'm not happy to report that it was actually um, a minority doctor, somebody who I was very excited about um, Mm -hmm. that didn't even, when, when it was actually realized, I didn't feel like I got the care, the, the language even around it. You know, I'm sorry, none of this, taking care of it was just kind of throw your meds at you. And maybe because they were afraid of, you know, I mean, litigation, (laughs) you know, but, and, and I can, you know, in some ways understand that as well, but yeah, I didn't feel very well cared for. Nobody had any follow-up questions for me about how are you feeling? This was dramatic. You know, your, your daughter's umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. Many times her heart rate dropped out, which is how you ended up in an emergency C-section. She came out not breathing. Um, Like, are you okay? Nobody. Nurses, doctors, nobody. Family, nobody. Nobody. And I would say that for the first six months, I was literally just waiting. So for the four months I was home, I was counting the hours of the day until an adult, another adult came home because I was just terrified. And I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. I just thought, okay, I'm just a scary new parent. But when I finally was able to snap out of it somehow, and honestly, I don't really know when the sort of veil lifted, I realized, geez, I wish that I could be with my daughter at home during these times, because now I'm more clear minded. Now I can enjoy her more. Now I feel like I've at least rejuvenated to some degree. Okay, now I know what I'm, you know, now I know what I'm doing. Now I'm a little more hands-on. And 
So for me, oddly, the reason why I ended up in therapy was not that specifically, but it's certainly helped. I am definitely an advocate of therapy. I've been going actively for the last four and a half years. And I just feel that in your process to evolve as a human being, it's all of our responsibilities as adults to make sure that we are as healthy mentally, physically, emotionally as possible, both for the people that we care about, friends, loved ones, partners, our children. Um, and I think, you know, at least 50% or more of the impetus for me was my daughter thinking, it's my responsibility to show her what healthy looks like. And I know that that's not going to be perfect because this process is a lifetime of evolution as the periods of life and stages change. But I want that for her. I want it for me. And it's been one of the best things I ever did. I have learned a lot about where things come from and it all relates to childhood and things. And, um, and it's been so helpful. It's helped me behave in different ways in certain situations and find some peace with the things that I, I can't change too. So that's been my experience. I like therapy. Yes. <laughs> for everybody, therapy should be free for all. Right. <laughs> you go, Christine. Um, I would say I agree. Everybody can probably benefit from therapy. Um, and I don't know, I guess it probably relates to how we have the cliche saying that everybody has a little bit of crazy. Everybody's is just mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's more true than it is a joke probably. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, um, Lonnie, while you were talking, mm -hmm. I was thinking about, I recently had a conversation with someone where we were talking about how with everything that's going on right now, everybody has a heightened sense of anxiety yeah. or a heightened sense of all sorts of things, not yeah. just anxiety. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of different feelings mm -hmm. happening. Um, but the difference is if you start at a three and you shoot up seven points to get to 10 versus if you start, if you live at seven mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and you shoot, shoot up, up seven, seven points, you're, you're at definitely done. five. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'll say I have never been diagnosed with anything. I have done therapy in different, several different times in my life for several different things in several, several different environments with several different people. Um, I think that I probably have clinical depression and anxiety um the number of times that i've attempted suicide in my lifetime is not something that i can count my first stint with therapy was i was probably in maybe 10th or 11th grade i was in high school still and we had a counseling center that they had put together specially in the, the school was expanding and they were building the, I'm so old y'all. 
they were building those <laughs> bungalows really. in the back by, uh, the, yes. by the football field. And it was one of the bungalows way in the back so that, you know, it was kind of private. You had mm-hmm. to, like, travel out to the back of the school <laughs> yeah. and, like, keep your privacy or whatever. Uh, where everybody sees you walking all the way to <laughs> all the way across campus. <laughs> to the bungalow, but okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody walks across the football field by right. themselves randomly when they're supposed to be in class, <laughs> right. right? Like, it's not <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was not I was in and out of the the counseling center is is the point um and one particular time I had it was not the first time but I had attempted suicide I had gone through most of the day with my sleeves pulled down because I had attempted to slash my wrists it got hot after lunch and I forgot so I pulled my sleeves up in class and someone reported and I got called in and my mom got called and there was a whole rigmarole there so the thing that bothered me the most was that because no one had seen it before and because I was very very careful to make sure nobody ever saw anything afterwards and actually tactics changed at that point yeah after that was when I would try to swallow pills Mm -hmm. or something else um but that the feeling seemed to be that I was doing it for attention Mm. which for me just made it worse yeah obviously I didn't feel seen so to make it seem like I was doing it for attention was a bit much so that was the first time I landed in therapy I believe it was probably mandated at that point Mm -hmm, because they had to report it and all that obviously i didn't know it at the time right right yeah now knowing what i know i'm sure it was reported Mm -hmm. and so i don't know how the therapist was chosen or where we got it from or whatever i remember going to one session i believe it was a white man who told me after my session that basically I was a normal teenager. I just had, what did he tell me? That basically that nothing I was feeling wasn't normal and that what we should do is we should do some family counseling. Mm. And I didn't go back to counseling after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or at least not in that that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, My attempts from there, like I said, became less visible. I still cannot take aspirin to this day at 45 years of age because when I was 19, I swallowed an entire bottle of aspirin with a bottle of hydrogen peroxide. Uh, Don't know if they offset each other or if I was just lucky. Well, lucky. Or if... I have some other purpose here that I haven't fulfilled yet. I don't know what the hell happened. That should have been the one. But it wasn't. I was sick for 24 hours, lived with my head in a trash can, and somehow I'm still here. But again, I can't take aspirin to this day. The oh, the yeah, smell of it. Like, to, yeah. yeah, it <laughs> yeah. like... Where's the trash can? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. throw it, but it's like aspirin yeah. has a particular smell. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. And when I reaction. smell that, immediately, like, yeah. 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 
kind of like alcohol poisoning. Right. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was kind of that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Um, later on, I went to therapy again. This was, I'd gotten older. I kind of had at least stopped attempting, although the thoughts were still there. Um, I was married already. The kids were kind of little. The therapist that I was going to was a Jewish man. Um, and he was really nice, but he was very chatty. And I don't feel like I really got too much out of that other than just being able to have a scheduled time that I went and talked to someone, but I don't know that any issues actually got worked out in, in that. Um, and then my next stint with therapy. (laughs) So as we were divorcing, my children were having issues and I wanted to get them therapy because I felt like we were dealing with our divorce in the way that we were dealing with it. And as you guys know, it wasn't a horrible experience or right. anything. We're yeah. amicable. I was on the, I was over there the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so we wanted to make sure the kids were okay. So we went to get the kids therapy, but in the intake process, the decision was made that we should come as a family, which mm-hmm. I mean, that's not awkward when you're separated and going through a divorce. And now the four of you are sitting in therapy as a family. I mean, that's not <laughs> weird at all, right? Like, you know, not strange at all. But the good part about that was this was a black woman. So I did realize in this instance, even though I didn't feel like the dynamic was what I needed it to be, that she was probably the most helpful of all the therapists we'd had. Yeah. Um, because she understood certain things that the previous therapists would not have understood. Mm. Um, We were with her probably for a good year. And then it was decided that the kids were ready to do their own individual and they got different therapists. So yeah, I feel like what I wish I had known when I was seeing the Jewish doctor is that when you're looking for a therapist, it's okay to decide that the doctor that you're at is not the right doctor for you. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and I really, really, you know, kind of wanted to stress that mm-hmm. because like you, Amber, I'm looking at resources now and mm-hmm. I feel like I need a black female therapist. As do I, yeah. And if there wasn't a difference in religious beliefs i might go back to the black woman who had you can tell them it's not no 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 no, i (laughs) know i'm just saying though like it's just like when we talk about systemic racism and there's things that you're programmed to that like so she doesn't like force it on us or anything like that but that's where her well because yeah i get it where she's where she's coming from you know what i mean but so that plays in it's okay if you say that therapist isn't for you yeah, and right, just because yeah, she's right. black doesn't mean she's for you. Yeah, right. That's true. So Everything there were things that she understood because yeah. she was a black woman, right, but right. at the same time, she there were some a faith right. that belief systems that yeah. were, yeah. Yeah, right. and yeah. again, she wasn't forcing it and she wasn't no, like, you know, but I mean, cause I know it's where yeah. you come from. It's where of your course, mindset sure. is. It's where your, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you operate off of your beliefs. Yeah. So even if you don't tell the person, you know that that's, you yeah. know, if that's what they believe, that that's how they operate. How well, they function, and there's different so. components. 
into all of it. I mean, yeah. to add on to that, there's also different styles of therapy, which yeah. I was unaware of, and I'm not. And there's good doctors and bad doctors, like right. any other profession. Yeah, in any exactly. culture. Whether you be of color or not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You gotta have, you have to have all of those elements to make you feel secure and yeah. safe to be open, because really, this person is probably, you're more intimate with them mm-hmm. than your partner even, because yeah. you're telling them, you know, Deepest if you do it right yes. yeah if you do it if yeah. you're there and if you, you really do it, put right. in the work right. because yeah. part of the reason why i felt like i didn't get what i could have out of that therapy was because i wasn't as comfortable with him yeah. to be able to open up about everything right, right. and therapy is right. not going to work if you're not, if you're not honest ready to and go. open yeah. right it's just not yeah. absolutely so just to wrap up you know and then we'll hear karen um So I do believe that therapy is for everyone. I do believe that people should know that just like a doctor or a dentist or a fucking plumber, Mm -hmm, like you can decide that the one that you've gotten is not the one for you and search around. And sometimes it is going to be a journey, especially if you're a person of color. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll just, uh, oh, there was something else I wanted to say. I'm glad I wrote notes because I was going to forget. So no matter how hard we try, I'm telling you mostly, Lonnie, yeah. because I know how much you worry and yours is still little. We're going to fuck up our kids one way or another. Yeah. Not intentionally. <laughs> right. Not like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because I'm learning that very, yeah. so, very clearly. And I, not to say it like that, but no, like, that, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Understand. Like we're going to inadvertently do things that they're going to feel a certain way about. Right. And they're yeah. going to harbor feelings about. Oh, yeah. It. It's going to happen no yeah. matter how hard you try. And the sure. reason I say that is because. I didn't feel like I could talk to my mom growing up. And so I made yeah. absolutely sure that mm-hmm. I always tried to make it that my kids, dude, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come and talk to me about it. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Yep. And I was talking to my oldest child yesterday and it dawned on me that no matter how hard I tried to shelter my child from certain feelings or from certain things and 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 from feeling like there was nobody in his corner. Mm-hmm. He still experienced all of those things. Yeah. From yeah. other places and yep. other sources. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So regardless of how hard we try, yeah. we're going to fuck him up one way or another, even though it's <laughs> for most of us, it's not intentional. Yeah. And that's why I think therapy is good for everyone. Every, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Karen. Miss Karen. All right. Um, I'm going to go a little different path. So, you know, when my father had a heart attack, you know, at home on that Saturday, um, we were on the veranda. He was listening to racehorses. Um, he loves racehorses. And, you know, when he, uh, when the heart attack, I guess, started and he went inside the house and he came out and he asked, he was stumbling and he said, go get your mom. And my sister, my cousin and I raced down the street a couple blocks and mom wasn't where we thought she was she ended up being right next door um and so as we're racing back past the house i saw him lying now i know dead on the side of the house and the incredible guilt you feel Mm -hmm. as a child you know i was a couple months short of my ninth birthday um i was the i'm the eldest the incredible guilt I felt for years thinking I'd let him die alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't realize that there was anything 
like that I should be talking to anybody about. And certainly, um, at least at that time back home in Jamaica, therapy was not a thing. <laughs> um, and I don't, I'm not sure I even told anybody like how, you know, guilty I felt. And then, you know, my father was an asshole and had a bunch of kids with a bunch of different women. And um, really his death was, was when I found out about a few of them. And then it tied up his estate. Um, and so there was questions of, did he say anything before he died? Like, you know, did he, did he miraculously say, only you and your sister get everything? <laughs> you know, right. that kind of shitty questions. Um, and so, you know, dealing with my father's death, dealing with finding out, you know, oh yeah, by the way, we got a bunch of half brothers and sisters. Um, and, you know, that was probably a time in my life when I needed um, something. And then a few years after that, I was sexually assaulted in a, I'd say a minor way. Um, and uh, never told anybody. If my mom listens to this, I probably should tell her before this. But um, And it, it, I didn't realize how much it had hurt me until I couldn't stop dreaming for probably 20 years after that. I kept dreaming that wow. I was being raped. I was, I'm still terrified from a safety perspective. I have a security system. I, I would, when I lived alone, I would lock the outside door. I'd lock my bedroom door. I'd put a chair up behind the bedroom door just to be able to sleep and think I was safe. So I'm a freak about safety. And it's because I was, you know, at a very vulnerable age um, and in a place that I thought I was safe. I was proven that I wasn't safe. And again, no therapy and never talked about it. Yeah. I finally told my sister, like last year we went to Toronto and went to the falls and I don't know, we had a long time in the car and we ended up talking about stuff. Um, so again, nothing to help me deal with the trauma, just, you know, figure it out. And uh, then, uh, you know, was in a relationship that wasn't going well and I was really unhappy and I felt trapped. And the first time I realized I really need external help was I was driving down freeway in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is where I was still living. And, you know, that, that concrete embankment that's, yeah. you know, separates one side of the freeway from another. I thought, if I just drive into this, I bet no one would miss me. I bet it would be all over and I'd be fine. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay, I need, I need help. But my challenge with therapy was when I went to the therapist and I talked through everything and the therapist just kept telling me like, well, you seem to really understand what's going on and you seem to have a good grasp on things. And I stopped going, you guys, because yeah, of course. the fact that you kept telling me that I fully understood what was going on was not helpful. Right. So honestly, I went to probably three sessions and after just getting platitudes, I was just like, okay, well, I'm not going back. I'm, you know, it wasn't helpful for me. So that first impression of therapy left a very honestly bad taste in my mouth. And yeah. so, um, and actually before that too, uh, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only young girl who went through some of these things, but I went to a Planned Parenthood while I was at Marquette 
and for a regular exam, you know, and uh, I was, I guess it's also considered a minor sexual assault. A, a doctor came in, well, a person came in wearing a doctor's coat, uh, examined me, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then pulled his hand out and said, the doctor will be right in with you. And I was so upset and terrified. I did report it and they did, Planned Parenthood did call me and apologize and say that the person was going to be disciplined and that it shouldn't have happened, whatever. But, you know, it was just somebody who thought they'd get their kicks because, mm. you know, there's a young girl in there and she's vulnerable. And so all of these little incidents that happened over my life, I never, it never occurred to me that like it was building up in my mind, right? And, um, and then the only other time I was in therapy was, you know, marriage counseling. And again, it was very much like, well, Karen, you seem to really understand what's going on and you're clearly able to explain yourself and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, so I, I've had sort of a different journey in that there've been times when I should have gotten therapy and I didn't because I didn't even know. I just, you know, I too sort of grew up with like, yeah, stress, well, deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. not that anybody came out and said that. It was sure. just, just assume that's how I just saw it, it yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. what I saw is like, I saw these incredibly strong women who no matter what, you know, um, happened, they just kept it moving, right? Um, you know, I have an aunt who, you know, used to go to school with no shoes that she'd walk because they lived in the country in Jamaica. Um, you know, um, my mom pretty much had a nervous breakdown after my dad died. And, you know, she just, you know, I, I don't think she saw any therapist, you know, just yeah. kept it moving. And so, you know, all the times when I probably should have gotten professional help for all the, you know, different things that have happened, um, I just never did. And then when I did try it, you know, it was just somebody telling me how, God, you sound like you've got a really good grasp yeah. on what's going on. And I'm like, no, I fucking don't. That's why I'm sitting here, right? right. And so, uh, you know, I do think people should try it. But to the points we were talking about earlier, it's so incredibly important that you get the right person. And, you know, I don't have any answers on how to find a good one because I continue to hear from people who struggle with that, right? Yeah. It's finding someone who can identify with you and finding someone who will understand your situation and what it is that you need and um you know all sorts of other things that you know you just don't think about at the time and um you know for me it's uh Christina just passed me something it's a website um mental health resource therapy for black girls um and I think you're going to put this in your blog right yeah yeah it's um, but, you know, here's the thing I will say just in general about mental health and, and mental well-being. Like, people don't realize that you can be just like you can be a functioning alcoholic, which mm-hmm. my father very much was. He was an alcoholic. He used to drink uh, white rum. Uh, Jamaican rum is overproof. Um, never saw him stumbling around, but that man drank so much of that white rum, you know. Um, but you can be a functioning like depressed person, you can be a functioning, mentally unwell person, you can still get up and go to work and take your kids and, you know, have a family and still be in a really, really bad place. And and we don't acknowledge that. Because to be honest, we only 
really acknowledge the mental illness when it's like so obvious, like right. it's the mm-hmm. homeless person or right. the, right. you know, the quote crazy person when someone's mm-hmm. specifically acting out. And we don't realize that to, you know, Christina mentioned it earlier when Michelle Obama came out and said she was suffering from low grade depression mm-hmm. is that, you know, this whole thing being locked away in our homes, right. Mm-hmm. And not seeing other humans. I, it makes me sad when I see my friends and I can't hug them because yeah. I'm a hugger, yeah. right? But this whole thing was like, nope, no hugging. And just something that for me is very, as a human, very comforting, a, a touch mm-hmm. um, to lose that. And, and you have to like stay away from somebody when it's just like that messes with your head, yeah. right? And now you start thinking everybody's a bad person. Like right. someone next to you sneezes and you're like, oh my God, did you just put germs in the air that's gonna kill me? So then you start not trusting people around right. you, right? Um, which also plays with your head. So there's, you know, all this stuff. And and for me too, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you guys, but you know, the other thing that I've seen, at least in my family is, you know, my sister going off to fight in the war, uh, the Iraq war, and then come home and, you know, just be just not in a mentally good place and then dealing with, you know, cancer battle. It's um, so she I'm very proud of her. She is seeing someone. And yeah, it took a while to, again, find someone. And and she had stopped for a while. And then she just recently said, you know, I think I need to go back and talk with someone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I always um, commend her for recognizing that she's like at a point where she's like, "Mm, I think I need to go back and talk to like a therapist because, you know, she's experienced things that I'm never gonna experience. You know, some of, unfortunately, the things I've experienced in my life, other women can absolutely relate to. Um, But, you know, something specific, like going off to fight in a war and all the things, um, you know, I I remember her sharing one specific incident where they were out on a a patrol, they were clearing the roads, you know, everybody had to rotate through that duty is how she explained it. And she said that, you know, there was a one one incident where um, she was the gunner, so she had the gun um, and, there's a little kid in the road and the kid wouldn't move and they kept shouting the commands in all of the native languages, mm-hmm. you know, get out of the way, get out of the way. And the kid wouldn't. And they were concerned because our soldiers were being attacked by like suicide, you know, and right. they were using kids, you know, and, and my sister, you know, I remember she told me it just broke my heart, but she said, you know, I remember the moment when I had to pull back on the trigger and you hear the click and she's like, I'm a mom and I'm looking at this kid thinking I might have to kill you just so I can get to go home and see my kids, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and luckily the kid, when they heard the click mm-hmm. of the, the trigger pullback, the kid finally did move. But, you know, that I can't imagine how that like, you know, messed with her head as well. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's um, it's one of those things where our mental health, you know, to what you reiterated amber is absolutely part of our wealth and and understanding that it's it's okay to say i need help just like you would with your wealth right you you know like i need help with someone teaching me how to save you know i need help with clearing my mind of the toxicity that lives in the world today that's the thing i just live i just think we live in a very toxic world yeah and if you don't find a way to either reduce the toxins that go in or find a way to expel the toxins out through therapy through Mm -hmm. friendships through talking through you know working out whatever um you know i i I think as a society we are more harmed than we realize if we don't find a way to reduce that yeah Yeah. can i add one last thing just again to encourage everybody in terms of your research when you're checking out therapists that might feel good sound good for you 
obviously their backgrounds and stuff, but also take a look at the style of therapy that they do. I do not have the technical terms, but the way that it was described to me, at least at least these two different ways, is there's a type of therapy that will treat the symptom that you are feeling, experiencing. So if you're sick and you have a cold, you can get therapy for just the cold. But there are other types of therapies that will treat the overall behavior that will help you essentially reconfigure how you see things in your life and walk around in this world differently so that you do not end up with that same symptom again. Um, and depending on what you need at that time in your life, it could mean all the difference. I had some therapy some years ago now, um, and it was sort of that first thing which was treating the symptom. I had a death. There was a death that I was mourning, and I needed I needed some comfort, and I feel like that was the right thing for me at the time. Um, but now I am going through this other type of therapy, which at this period in my life has absolutely helped me by leaps and bounds in making better choices uh, in my life as I learn more about myself and where these things came from, where assumptions came from, where my general disposition came from. So just keep that in mind as well, because I think it'll help inform your own personal journey and decide, you know, help you decide what is best for you to even just to get started. Just do the research. I was just yeah. going to say that, Christine. It's, Decide what you yeah. want out yeah. of therapy. Yeah. yeah, what is it that you want? And then go from there and do the research, I think, is... Yeah. Well, just like yeah, you, you would, know. hopefully, a regular doctor, too. Right? Sure. Or, like I said, a plumber, a contractor, right. anybody. Right. It falls under anything else. If you yeah. need your roof fixed, you're not going to go find a landscaper. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, but I say that because I didn't do that. I just happened to get a really good referral to somebody who I do actually connect with. But had I known these things before, I would have been better about that stuff, you know. Oh, so hey look, it's like anything else. If you've never done it, you just yeah, need I to just start and try. And sure. as Christina said, be willing to say, you know what, You're I tried it. Enough for me. You're yeah. not the one. It's yeah. totally okay. Just like in a relationship. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. you, it's me. Yeah. No, actually it's you. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I um we have a little bit of time left and what we really didn't kind of touch on we did a little bit but not really but about the stigma of mental health in the black community yeah let's talk about that and the fact that it's not talked about which yeah. is probably why we don't know mm -hmm. that if we go to therapy and it doesn't work that we should continue yeah. to yeah. look and search out other options yeah um because we have that prejudice already that oh no you know yeah. Therapy is not. We don't do that's that. That's not what we do. Mm -hmm. So when you go and it doesn't happen, it just reinforces those subconscious yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Um, I I agree with that, Christine, and especially to um, you know, growing up on an island where you know everybody's like everything iry and mm -hmm. you know, um, you it's just you don't even think about. It. I I honestly don't even remember hearing the word therapist or mental health doctor or any of that as a child growing up, yeah. you know, and I, I specifically know, you know, they have the, they call someone like the crazy, right? You mm -hmm. know, it's, whether it's a crazy uncle or whatever. Um, but it, but it still wasn't anything that you really talked about, like 
how are you feeling? Right. I don't think anybody ever asked me how I was feeling growing up, which is why a lot of the things that happened to me in life never got shared. Mm. Right. Because, um, it's more like, are you studying? Are you, you know, you're, you're okay physically, you know, no, no one checked in on mental health. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's because we didn't care. I just think it's a cultural thing. I think as black people, we have far too many other things to be stressed about. Like Amber was saying, it just becomes normal and i think it also ties into what i said about starting at a three versus starting at a seven Mm -hmm. the health problems that are prevalent in the black community things like blood pressure Mm -hmm. and heart disease and Mm -hmm. things like that are also symptoms of high stress right hmm do you think black people might have high higher stress levels than other people for some reason right yeah Yeah. well absolutely (laughs) seems like there might be a correlation right yeah, I was, I've actually read a couple of articles recently because I think it's, well, we're all definitely talking about it more, about the impact of racism um, on the black community as a mental health disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, something you just said, Christina, is to be honest with you, I would say that I think of being able to go to therapy and mental health as like a luxury item, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, Some people sure. can't afford it. No, right? you can't. Yeah. Period. And And I think that also plays into not knowing that you can say, you know what, maybe this isn't the therapist for me. Let me go and explore something else. Right. Because the money is also a hindrance or lack of insurance. Lack of insurance. The insurance only covers so many sessions. Or you don't have child care to get there. You don't have transportation. Maybe there are language issues for immigrants. Lack of qualified professionals. Right. Right. To deal with this group of well, you know, and, a whole myriad of things yeah. that come into play just because you're a person of color. Right. And the thing is, honestly, you also feel like when you just need to get ahead and you're you're busting your ass, you don't, you don't have, have time. time for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. that. There's yeah. time for that. Right. When do you yeah. have time for that? Yeah. But there's and I feel like that's also something that has to get shifted you know oh, just completely just agree. the way you that know, you know in the if it's into self-care most yeah, people it's don't that. make time for self-care oh, right yeah. because it, everyone's too the busy. same thing right? yeah too busy being strong i mean i think there's definitely an emphasis on having to be a strong individual a strong person strong woman strong man well and it's you know again tying back to previous episodes we talk about in the money episode paying yourself first mm-hmm. well self-care is paying, paying yourself yeah. first yeah yeah right because how are you going and i love this example and i use it all the, the time you know when people are like i don't want to be selfish if you have ever been on an airplane and they talk to you about the mask mm-hmm. coming down, they say, put on your mask first before right. helping yeah. others. Mm-hmm. And they'll even show on the visual card, it's like a parent yeah. and a child, yeah. yeah, right? Because some people are like, no, I got to take care of my kids. Well, if you don't take care of yourself, there'll be no one around to take care of your kids, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's such a hard concept for people to grasp, but you are better able to help others when you are doing better yourself. Yeah. Right. For sure. Right. I was um, texting with someone yesterday. And I made that um, comment about just, you know, I focus on trying to make sure everyone else is okay or just, you know, checking in with other people or, you know, focusing on making sure everyone else is healthy and feeling good. But I have neglected myself in that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, excuse me, sorry. Okay, so... Um, I don't think people talk about the guilt either when you've talked about your dad because I feel the same way. And even though it's not your fault, you know it's not your fault to see someone just 
go and you have no control over it. It's so hard to know that it's not your fault or to not take that on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like, what do you do? Which is probably why I'm even more um, interested in trying to find somebody sooner rather than later. Yeah, Yeah, survivor guilt, like people, um, you know, I went through it with my father um, and, you know, it's like this burden that I wish on no child, yeah. you know, because oh my God. Yeah. I, I barely could process it myself. And then I had all this additional burden, you know, I can't uh, imagine doing it as a child yeah. I mean, um, yeah. on top of it. But, you know, even also just, you know, with my sister with losing and, you know, anyone who's lost someone at this table, you know, like yeah. there's a why, you know, why the big why question yeah. and and why did you allow this to happen? But then you did this, you know, um, the justification yeah right yeah. you know and um you know for me and and we're gonna get to religion in another episode but <laughs> i as amber knows you know i struggle with the whole why did you make suffer through years of chemo and just just i mean racking this man's body to the point of you know i still look at the pictures just before he passed and i literally cry every time mm-hmm. and i'm like you were gonna take him anyway why did you you know so and that's like a mental stress issue for me yeah. like i yeah. i have not dealt with that and and you know my family is like so religious and it's like god has a plan and as amber knows i'm like i think his plan sucks <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I've, i'm on the flip side so for those of us who don't know my husband died this year in june so um i'm still very much grieving and um thankful for this podcast because it really gave me something else to focus on but um i feel the opposite because i feel like you know you just told us you were he was sick and then you didn't even give us a chance to see if he was going to get better i feel like i got cheated so yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's like the opposite and i'm very religious you know like i have every faith i could have in god but it's you know i mean I have a friend who, you know, told me, she's like, but that's okay. You can be God, mad at God. He can handle your anger. And that's, you know, that made me feel so much better because I didn't, I felt guilt too, just, you know, even questioning God. But at the same time, that's why he gives you that opportunity to question, or that's why he even gives you free will to decide or to not decide, you know, what you want to believe because everything is not just cookie cutter. It's not going to be just, mm-hmm. you know, one way. You're not going to always feel happy or happy about the decisions that happen in your life. So, you know, I, I, I do pretty good on a day-to-day basis. I mean, work keeps me distracted and you guys are always checking on me. So, you know, day-to-day I'm okay, but at least I feel like I'm okay day-to-day. But then there's these moments where you just mentioned guilt and it's just like, I feel like I'm falling apart. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, (sighs) yeah, you know, that's another thing that causes mental illness is dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't realize the yeah. depression that we sink into. And and the thing about grief is you don't always deal with it right away. Right. Right. And it'll catch you. I mean, I think I was bawling like a baby last year because my birth father would have missed this occasion in my life mm-hmm. that I and he's been gone for decades. Yeah. You know, so there'll be always triggers that, you know, bring back. For and sure. and especially for things, to your point, Lonnie, that you don't deal with. And then, you know, because they treated the symptom, not the yeah. underlying issue. <laughs> right, right. And um, it, mental health is complicated, yeah. right? It's for very sure. complicated. There's a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Christina, I don't know if anybody ever 
dealt with or you feel like you've ever dealt with why you even first started attempting right suicide um probably not i would say for as long as i can remember yeah for as long as i can remember and it's funny because i see how it plays into who i am today i just always felt like i was never going to be good enough yeah Mm -hmm. period I think a lot of it comes from the fact that, I mean, they say that it doesn't really matter, and I liked to think that it didn't really matter, but I feel like it started the whole thing, um, that my father wasn't around, my birth father, Mm -hmm. that in the back of my mind, the narrative was, if you can create someone and not want them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And these Feel, are, not feeling worth, yeah, uh, worthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My God. So. And and they actually talk about that too with black kids, young black yeah, kids. Yeah, for sure. Well, Who that's why I said I out. feel like there's probably a lot of things that play into it, but I yeah. think that's probably the first yeah. conscious yeah. kind of thought that I had about it. But yeah. I know that in my head, there was always a narrative that no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know it's why I'm such a perfectionist today. Drive myself even more crazy, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know. um, At least I don't cut or, you know, attempt suicide anymore. Actually, this is good news. I wasn't a cutter. What is it called? The self, uh, they have another word for it. Like self-mutilation? Yeah, Yeah, self-mutilation. So I would say I was a self, well, I use mutilate softly. Yeah. Yeah. I used to punch myself in the head. Oh, okay. So I didn't cut. I didn't. Or I would bang my head against the desk chair in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like there were ways that I self-mutilated, but I didn't cut. created pain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I cuts, think that yeah. that's where my tattoo thing comes mm. from as well. Okay. Yeah. Because if you guys remember, I got my last tattoo probably two days after my dad died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just needed it. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the point you raised about feeling like you're not good enough, um, it again goes back to the whole conversation I do not have with God, but... <laughs> <laughs> I I literally um this year asked what was wrong with my sister and I that you took away our father and mm-hmm. then you took away my sister's husband. Yeah. Right? I'm so full of anger about that mm-hmm. that I'm like it wasn't enough that you made us grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. That you then decided my sister should have the same experience with her two kids. So two sets of kids are going to spend their lives without, and I'm, you know, so I get your point about feeling, Christina, like, what's wrong with me? Why did, yeah. why did this happen to, to our family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see plenty of other men and dads running around, some of them not good men. Right. And they're alive and breathing, you know? <laughs> yeah. We and, won't talk about the thought I had when my mother-in-law died on my biological father's birthday, and I ranted at whoever's up there right exactly i ranted it was so unfair to me yeah 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 no i i the whole By the way, my biological father is still running around mm-hmm. yeah yeah being great <laughs> right 
Yeah, well, my daughter's father is the same. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah you know, and honestly, those are things that are stressors too, yeah. right? You, it is. you think well, about that you, stuff. You know, it's weird is I have the opposite is that my dad was around, but I still felt not good enough, probably because of the type of person he was. Yeah. that mm-hmm. he ha- always had to make me be something else that I wasn't like I was literally at his house for Christmas and his girl's fr- his girlfriend parents like how was it being at USC and I was like I'm not in college what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> and so then I have to end- I'm ended up like <clears throat> telling this lie that I wasn't even prepared prepared, prepared for and I'm like for dude it. like you can't just be yeah, telling somebody a warning right if you don't have well, to lie but, but then the, the other que- the underlying is why am I not good enough just to just right. no, that's that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so you have yeah. this feeling like you telling people I'm at USC and I'm not even I'm like in community college and now yeah. I feel like I'm not good you know so it's right. like you can still have the parent around and still feel like you're not good enough so because to Christina's <laughs> point earlier as parents you're gonna fuck okay. them up Ain't yeah that the truth? absolutely yeah. because you're only as good as whatever you came up with and with the tools that you have and that's why now I know a little better about at least at least trying. If if yeah. my daughter can at least see that I gave it the old college try, then I did something a little bit better than mine did. Because yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any family that you ever that, that doesn't feel like you know the kids don't feel like they were good enough. Mine came from sheer just being called stupid, and you know, the the things that I had achieved were not really paid attention to. I didn't feel like, or at least they weren't in a way that I could recognize as a child, and being in therapy made me realize a lot of the choices, especially in relationships, um, were made because of the things that were normalized to me. So I was in an extremely abusive relationship because I was used to being talked to poorly. And it was the last thing that I had realized. And um, I mean, that was a bomb that dropped on me really hard. That in my psyche, I had normalized that being called worse than stupid was okay. Was okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and a lot of black women find themselves in situations, right? I, I mean, women, period. But, you know. People. Yeah, yeah people, people, right, mm-hmm. people. Because yeah. you're right, it happens to men yeah, as well. Yeah, sure. um, but, you know, people find themselves in these situations where they normalize what happened, and so it becomes their new normal, and, and the cycle continues, right? And it's abuse, right? It's, yeah. You look at the cycles of abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I had the opposite um, situation like growing up. I was always told I was smart. I was always told I was pretty. I was always told I could do whatever. But no one ever checked in to see if I was okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. we just never had the, like, yeah, that's not you know, you're thing. doing well in school. Yeah. You are, you know, all the other measures of success. And, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody ever, you know, was like, is she mentally okay? Yeah. Right. I no, mean, that's like you said, thing. feelings. It just no one really said, "Oh, how do you feel?" I mean, just you saying about your whole birth experience. I was there, and I didn't realize it was that traumatic. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's like, and I'm just like, okay, you don't. It's it is a stigma. It's like you don't think you don't think to say, "How do you feel?" Because then you're scared if someone actually answers that question. Right. Like Lonnie said, we're not equipped to then help you right. <laughs> get through right. it. So it's like we don't want to know how you feel because I can't help yeah. you even if you tell me. Well, and the thing too is like. If I said something to my mom, she would absolutely listen. She would always talk with me. My mom was always very candid. She never, you know, she would always have a conversation. Um, I just don't think, you know, like I said, in in our family specifically, it was like someone thought to proactively ask. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
All right. Well, we are out of time for today. So I'm going to start out with the suicide prevention lifeline. I think that's an important one. Know that it is national, it is free, and it is open 24-7 for people in distress and feeling like there's no other way. Uh, The number is 800-273-8255. There's also the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they have actually quite a few resources. They provide advocacy, education, support, and public awareness um, for individuals and families affected by mental illness to help them build a better life. Um, They, too, have a helpline, which is 800-950-NAMI, National Association of Mental Illness, or 6264. There's also approximately six other links to mental health resources for the Black and African American community, Um, some nonprofits, some resource guides, some toolkits, some videos, um, therapist directories, some specifically for Black women and girls, and some specifically for Black men and boys. And then if that is not what you want, but you want a little help, there is a resource for some um, self-exploration therapy cards created by a black female psychologist. So um, check out my blog post for links and information to other mental health resources. Shout outs, ladies. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like no, I was their own theme. The I know, this is, because this is so. way more lighthearted and I feel like this whole theme isn't, but uh, Lot 11, it's a um, urban apothecary owned by a black woman out of Compton, California. They have the most delicious smelling candles, uh, bath, body, face, home essentials. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at lot underscore XI so for 11. Um, yeah, I, I bought some of their products and they're amazing. Really great, great quality, excuse me. And uh, I think you'll love them. Well, and that it that actually does help mental health. You've burned a nice candle That's true. and just yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm burning them all so. the time, so. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, we're good. All right. This concludes the sixth episode of the Forever Unapologetic podcast. We hope we have been enlightening in some way. To submit your own stories, please email previouslysilenced at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, please email foreverunapologeticsquad at gmail.com. When you follow us on Instagram at Forever Unapologetic Podcast, you'll find the rather long link to our website in the bio. Our website has our blog pages, which has the mental health resources we talked about listed with links, um, as well as an RSS feed of this podcast and an About Us page. You can now subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google. And thanks to Podcast Center LA for putting up with us. Thanks to you for listening. And we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Take care of yourselves, guys. Yeah. Group hug. You can find us on all major social media outlets. To submit your stories, please email previouslysilenced at gmail.com. To suggest topics or share feedback, please email foreverunapologeticsquad at gmail.com. And you can find our podcast hosted on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.